This is a podcast of two type A girls working hard to untangle the BS stories and expectations related to this illusion of perfection. Life is hard enough without adding pressure to be more, do more, be the best. It's an ever moving target. And so, in an attempt to inch closer to our authentic selves, the vulnerable, messy, and uniquely beautiful, we have decided to push back. Bit by bit, we are untangling society's demands of us, sinking in to our own intuition. If something makes us feel more alive, we're doing more of that. If something drains us, we're gonna practice removing ourselves. This is a journey we hope you'll join us on. Together, we will explore insights, tips, and tricks, all in an attempt to help you uncover your truest, most authentic self. Okay, this is big, guys. (laughs) It is such an interesting episode today because, unfortunately, Maddie is sick and was not able to come on today. Um, But no one wants to listen to just me, myself included. So we happen to have a guest scheduled and we're just going to proceed without Maddie today um, because scheduling is hard because we've talked about that a million times and we're adults and busy. So today we have a guest that is not Jess and it is Holly and she actually works with me. So I'm going to let her introduce herself and tell us a little bit about herself and then we will introduce the topic and get rolling. Um, hi. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here. I think I'm almost too excited. Um, my name is Holly. I I am privileged to work with Maggie and have all of her amazing insights within our job, but I'm also friends and it's it's a great friendship. I've got three kids and I am doing all the things and I'm currently a big listener myself because I'm learning and growing. And so right now I'm just finished up the cultivating joy. And so here we go. Here we go. Okay. So interestingly enough, um, like Holly said, we worked together and a few weeks ago we were having a conversation that was not easy. We had differing opinions on a pretty big topic um, and Holly can speak to this, but I think for her it was very much coming with some emotions mm-hmm. of a situation And not only her emotions, but feeling the weight of other people's. And she was advocating for them. And given the nature of my position, I was having to say some hard things and essentially tell her no. And yes, this brought up a good topic. (laughs) I don't know if you would interpret that differently. But in this conversation, it ended up being a good 45 minutes of kind of back and forth and when we were done and it was resolved well um Holly's like god that needs to be a topic because having hard conversations is just that hard and so we started talking about it and today's conversation is going to be about navigating difficult conversations and I'm hopeful that we'll be able to tangent in both a personal and professional realm because I think Many pieces overlap, but there are certainly um, approaches or styles that may work better when you're at home or with friends or a loved one that may be different than how you have to approach things in a professional setting. Yes, absolutely. Well said. Okay. Do you have anything to add about how this topic uh, came to be? (laughs) I mean, no, I think you said it great, right? It was a Friday afternoon. You and I were tired. We had a rough week. 
and we sat, I sat on my patio for, I think it was like 45 minutes to an hour and we just hashed it out. Right. But I think the greatest mm-hmm. piece of that was the things that we utilized in that conversation to get to the point of the conversation. Right. Yes. I, that's a good representation. Um, I didn't write this down, so we'll see what comes from this, but what do we think before we talk about kind of tips, tools, tricks, all of those things, if we were then to talk about what makes a conversation hard, like are there certain things that are like, ooh, that's going to make it more likely that this conversation is going to be difficult or not? Well, you're going to crack up when I tell you this, but being that I am a um, a big podcast fan of y'all's, I wrote a definition. <laughs> oh, and I didn't. Maddie would be so proud. I, okay. I figured she would be. <laughs> okay, please share. So I think when you talk, when you look at a definition for difficult conversations, the key word there is difficult, right? And so when you look at the definition for a difficult conversation, it talks about needing much effort or skill to accomplish, mm-hmm. right? So I think that's the part that's, the definitions, the parts that we have to understand is how difficult it is to mm-hmm. put in that much effort and that much skill to get something achieved. Yeah, I, I like that idea of like the skill mm-hmm. because we can have a lot of conversations or difficult situations that don't end up being conversations because the conversation implies it's back and forth, right. right? We've all been in those situations where there's a difficult situation. It doesn't end up being a constructive conversation. It's someone yelling at the other person or someone getting in trouble or reprimanded. And so the effort and preparation, I think we'll talk about all that, that is required for that two-way conversation is key. Um, another thing that came up for me is and I don't know that this is like explicitly a part of the conversation, but for me, often what makes something difficult may or may not be the topic itself. Often it is, but it's the emotions that come with that. So the emotions of what I'm bringing to the table, my background or your background or whatever it is, maybe different or our perspective. And then, or, and maybe I'm not coming to the conversation thinking it's going to be difficult, but then we start talking and we're both getting heightened perhaps, right? Or we're hitting different triggers of each other's that it then becomes, it may not have started, but it might become difficult. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was that conversation being a back and forth is kind of what the goal is, right? Even if it's hard, but a big piece of that being like our emotional state may or may not match what we logically or mentally want to happen. Yes. Yeah. And then when you think about that, I was having a conversation with my wife the other day about this. And you have to add the piece that is, that holds you back from achievement, which is the fear of the reaction. Yes. Right? Yes, yes. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's great because one of my key thoughts or things was conflicts are most often fueled by miscommunication, not unresolvable issues. That's beautiful. So it's not necessarily what you're experiencing is making a conflict. It's whether or not you're able to communicate that effectively or at all. Because sometimes that miscommunication is just not communicating. That's right. And sometimes that miscommunication is the approach we're taking. Yes. Sometimes the conversation is pieces we're saying or not saying, right? 
So I think a lot of times that miscommunication leads to many of our conflicts that could otherwise be not necessarily avoided, but resolved in a more productive manner. Yeah, absolutely. And remembering that throughout the entire conversation, right? Being intentional with your listening skills, not interrupting, but then also communicating your pieces as you're listening. Yes, I I did talk a lot about that to not talk to myself. Apparently I'm talking to myself <laughs> while I do this, which I sometimes do when I'm not a good listener to my own words. Um, but I did put that idea of active listening. So I think maybe as not tip number one, but one of the things we talk about here, before we talk about what to say or how to say it, it's how to listen. Um, did you have any tips or thoughts on that idea of active listening? I mean, you have to, when my coaching would be, and what I do is when you're listening, one of the best ways to help somebody listen is by using your words rather than accusatory words. Does that make sense? Like when you're listening, you're going to feel better receiving it. If you say things like, I feel, or I think, rather than you always, or you do, or you have, because those, Mm -hmm. that, that small thing right there either opens up the conversation or shuts it down. Right. I, a piece of that too, that I think is really helpful is in order to make sure that you're understanding what they're saying is that idea of rephrasing to confirm, right? Like a genuine understanding. So if I'm just regurgitating back the exact words that you said to me, yes, I may or may not actually be understanding it. But if I'm able to say, what I'm hearing you say is, mm-hmm. it's really difficult when, right, and it would be helpful if, whatever, if I'm able to like rephrase it in my own words, then you were able to say what your words were, I'm able to interpret it in a way that I can understand And then at that point, if there's any breakdown, like I rephrase back to you, like, am I understanding that you're saying blah, blah, blah. And you're like, no, let me clarify. Like, that's not exactly what I meant. And then you can dig in right then instead of at the very end, you guys leaving with different understandings of what just happened. Right. Yeah. Like when we had our conversation the other day and you would say your piece and you would say, does that make sense? And I would say, I am struggling, right? See, there's that Mm -hmm. I word. I am struggling to understand why this would be the thought process, right? Rather than mm-hmm. I yeah. don't understand why you think that, right? Yeah. Right. Or what you're thinking is wrong and you just need to get on my page. Right. Absolutely. And I think that's the piece about it too. When you go into a conversation, if you're going into a hard conversation, whether you're the one starting it or whether you're the one being pulled into it, you have to know that it's going to be hard and you have to be receptive to what the other person is saying. Yeah. To back it up, I think we've talked about this a lot at work this year, or the last two years really, has kind of been a common theme, I would say, (laughs) for our team, would be that idea of assuming positive intent, and then the whole, love him, Ted Lasso, of being curious and not judgmental. So I'm going to assume, even if it's hard and I think you suck at your job, and you always come to me with hard situations and you're never willing to listen, every time I start a conversation with this person, I'm going to assume that they're coming from a good place and they too want, in our case, right, like what's best for the kid. 
or what's best for that situation. Um, And so starting in that mind frame of assuming positive intent, which, which there are times when I know that I'm elevated, I am stressed or overwhelmed, I am not in a headspace to give you the benefit of the doubt, right? (laughs) Yeah. So I need to be aware of my own emotional state and know that I'm in a good place to engage in that conversation in the first place. That's right. So I can give you the benefit of that doubt or so I can assume positive intent. That's right. And then there's so many times that you are not in the mindset for that conversation, but the conversation is coming whether you're ready for it or not. And that's okay. So what do you do? I mean, that's when I really get in my own head and I take a deep breath and I try to identify the intention of the conversation, right? Is the conversation a need for support and coaching and guidance, or is the conversation a need for someone to listen and um, have empathy and um, compassion for, right? So regardless, unfortunately, sometimes conversations come your way and you are not ready for them and you it's happening <laughs> and here we go, right? Yeah. yeah and that's yeah. when I just kind of take a breath and try to identify the need for the conversation, right? Um, and I think it's okay if you're if they want coaching and guidance and you're not in the headspace to do it. I think it's okay to be like, I hear you and I'm so sorry you're so frustrated. You know, look, can we revisit this in like 20 minutes or can we revisit this tomorrow when I've had some time to marinate on all that we've talked about, right? Um, do you have any okay, so you just got pulled into a conversation, yep. right? And you're like, holy cow, this is coming at me like a freight train and they are really upset. I don't really know what's going on. How are you able to establish, is this a situation that is just a listening, that kind of support or like I need your help or you're doing something wrong, Holly, and you need to fix it. Um, How do you determine what their intent is when they're just coming at you? Um, So I, with that one, um, sometimes I pause and see if they give them a moment for pause for reflection, right? And if they don't, sometimes I ask. Sometimes I'm like, I can see that you're frustrated. Do do you want me to kind of give you some ideas or do you just need to tell me what's happening? I Again, it's that whole transparent, honest, hard, difficult conversation piece to have. Like you just need to be honest about what you're feeling so that they know what you're feeling. So if I'm not able to identify it on my own, then I'm going to ask, are you needing some coaching? Are you just needing to vent? How can I help you with this frustration? Yeah, that's good. I, we've started to do that in the last couple of years, I would say not well all the time, but like within my marriage is we've used the words, I don't know where I got this, but it was like, is this a fix or a feel? So if this is a feel situation, like we say that up front. So like if he just needs to vent for a minute, let's say during the workday, right? He'll like preface whatever he texts, this word vomit of things they need to talk about (laughs) as like, this is a feel. Because my go-to as a Enneagram 2 helper is like to help him fix it, right? Help him feel better. Give him solutions and he's like, I don't, that's not what I want right now. I just want someone to hear me and be like, yes, that's hard. I'm sorry you're feeling that way, right? So to establish that up front by saying, is this a fix or a feel? Yeah. Because then if it's a fix, like he's seeking out ideas or he needs help problem solving it, right? So then to be able to take that um, in other relationships or situations. So like um, we have a few other people that we work with 
that I'm also like friends with, but also kind of their boss, right? So there are situations where they might preface like, I'm coming to you because I need professional advice. This is a fix professionally. Or like, I'm about to bitch and vent about something that if you look at it from a professional lens, you're going to have a different answer. If you're looking at this from a friend lens of like, this is just a feel, then I hold back in giving ideas or whatever, right? So to be able to preface that of like, this is a fix, mm-hmm. let's help problem solve it, or this is a feel. And I think if we normalize some of that, whether or not that's the actual vocabulary you use, I think that does help set the stage for whatever said conversation is gonna be. Yeah, and even if you can't identify yourself, if you need a fix or a feel, I think front-loading anytime you're going into a difficult conversation is huge. I am infamous. Everybody who knows me knows that I, I have no, I have, I do not have a hard time talking about difficult things. I have no hard, just last night I was texting my good friend and I was like, I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you. I'm coming over. Are you okay? Unfortunately she had a headache and I couldn't, but I was like, I need to talk to you. And I do the same thing at home. If I come to you, I'll just say, we need to have a talk. I need to have a talk. And I'll start with that. So they know like, it's coming. Or I'll say, I love you. I know what I'm about to say may sound hurtful. I don't mean for it to be hurtful, but I need to say it, right? Whether you're at the point of being able to identify your fix or feel front loading that this is coming is good for you to preface and get ready and for the other person who's receiving it. Okay. So hypothetically, you go to your wife and you say, this might be hard to hear, but I have to say this. Uh Because you need to get off your chest and be heard. Yes. If she were to say to you, I'm not in a space to receive this right now, then what? Because you still need to be heard, but you also want to respect her need for space. And be honest, because there are times I'm like, too effing bad. Sit down. No, this is so um, funny. I need to tell you this. Yeah, this is hysterical because that's typically <laughs> not how that goes. Typically, if she's, she always receives it. And so... If she were to ever say that to me, I would be the that one would be like, okay, that's fine. Let me know when you're ready and we can visit. Or I'd okay. say, okay, but I need an answer within two hours because I got to get going on this. So can you can you just take yeah. a couple of, right? right? But on the flip side, if I were to say that to her, she would be on the struggle bus. She's like, oh, no, no, no. I want to talk about this right now. Yeah. <laughs> so. And that's hard, yes. right? And there are, like you just said. There are situations when you said, that's fine for now, but I need an answer in X amount of time. And I think oftentimes, um, like professionally, we are in situations where like we have to make decisions. And I know other people in other fields too, like have to make decisions or like this person on your team is letting the ball drop on this thing consistently. Like you have to have that hard conversation or you can't proceed, right? right? So I don't think I have an answer or thought to that. It was, it's just curious because also attempting to respect the other piece of like, if you want them to respect that you need a little bit more time to get in the right headspace, like also making sure that we're giving that space if possible. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And you may be ready to have the conversation, but you also have to be ready to receive the reaction, right? That whole fear of the reaction. You, you do not know Maybe you have somebody who's upset with you and you're like, I cannot handle this anymore. I want to talk about it. I want to know why this is happening. You have to be prepared that you, that reaction may be very accusatory towards you and you have to be able to receive that. Yeah. Which um, I'm not always very good at, right? (laughs) You can, you can initiate the hard conversations, but receiving it is hard. I mean, I think if 
professionally, I do really well at staying calm and being, you know, stay on track. But personally, if I, if I'm getting heated, I gotta, I gotta walk away for a little bit mm -hmm, for sure. Okay. That's a good tip too. Yes. That sometimes just taking that break or being like, let's take five and revisit. And I think you have to, the other piece that I, the other tip or trick that I thought about was you have to remember what you're trying to get out of that conversation, right? If you're just yes. venting, that's fine. But if you are getting to an end goal, if you are arguing about something and they're like for us, we were, we weren't really arguing, but for us, we were looking, our conversation was about an end goal. You cannot go backwards and go down the rabbit hole of, well, then this happened and then that happened and you did this and yes. then I did. This. You cannot do that. You have to focus on the end goal, right? And so the other day I was having a conversation with somebody and it, it did get heated. Um, she was pretty upset and she was, um, she was pretty aggressive. And I simply said, I am so sorry that you're so frustrated. I am here to get us to a place where we can work through this together. So while I hear your frustrations, what can we do right now to get into a better place, right? Like validating those feelings, but then refocusing it back to, hey, here's where we're going. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's important. I, I did go back to, and two thoughts, but I think they do tie together. And part of it is this, is the, um, when we're going into this, that again, a conversation is two ways. And so if you're just wanting to be heard, but not to listen, that's not a conversation. That's right. So let's just start there. Yes. Right. Um, that's a lecture. That's a reprimand that doesn't feel good in the moment. It might feel good to give it. Cause you're like, I was heard. They heard like that's, but that doesn't feel good to receive and it's not going to be received well or respected. Right. So ensuring that that two-way conversation means that both individuals have the opportunity to talk and be genuinely heard. Right. Right. Um, and sometimes this part I struggle with. So I'm going to say this and you may be in the same page as me. Maddie would be the opposite. So she's not here, but there are people. So allowing room or space for silence in that conversation. I know you're smirking and so am I. I'm saying this, but I'm not great I'm at it. I'm horrible at that. Um, <laughs> yep. As an opportunity um, to process. So I don't love the awkward silence. So typically, like, <laughs> if I'm in this with Sean and we're having a hard conversation, we're back and forth, back and forth, and then, like, I say something, you know, and in a conversation that means it's his turn, and he doesn't say something back right away, and I wait for a minute, and then I'm like, oh, you have nothing to say to that? He's like, no, I'm processing. Uh -huh. Like, but allowing for that um, is hard. And so allowing for those, like, awkward silences and space in a conversation doesn't necessarily mean it's going poorly. And I think my go-to is to think this means it's going poorly. Oh, yeah. If all the space isn't filled with our voices. Mm -hmm. I'm like, hello, I asked you a question. Yeah, yes. <laughs> you're being disrespectful for not answering me. Well, you're talking to them and they're hearing things or viewpoints for the first time. And so that if you want a genuine response or one that is constructive, because oftentimes 
If they, <laughs> Lucy said dance. <laughs> and her friend's mom is picking her up. She's like, can I take them to Dairy Queen? I'm like, yes, of course. Definitely. Um, Definitely. Always. Are you getting me something also? Okay. <laughs> so, oh, if you want something that's like a constructive response, because if I'm expecting them to respond right away, oftentimes it's going to be an emotional response. Yes. And defensive or aggressive, right? Rather than if I just shut up for 30 seconds or a minute, give them time, they might be able to process and give a response that's more constructive. Yes. Yeah. And so then when you talk about your previous podcast where Maddie talks about be, um, bettering yourself 1% every day, like that's going to yeah. that's gonna be need to be mine. I'm going to need to go from a split second pause to a one second pause to a one and a half second <laughs> pause. Like I'm going to better myself on that one every day because that is it's hard. That's hard. difficult, right? And I think it is, I get this feedback a lot at work. I think you do too. Like, this is not like bragging. This is just a statement. Like, I think and process really fast. Yes. And so even if it's not a difficult conversation and we're just like brainstorming something, how quickly like I think or go through scenarios and give ideas often, and again, I know this about myself, can like overpower others because I get excited yes. and I have all these thoughts or ideas. I know both of us yes. have to work on this probably. And rather than if we just stop for a second, it's going to allow and open up space for other people to also contribute. That's right. Well, because that's it, right? When you pause, that gives them a time to intervene and say their piece, which is hard, but yes. And oftentimes good ideas that like I would have never come up with. Absolutely. Or just challenging thoughts, right? Um, the other day when we were talking, you had an idea and I said, I... I, I am going to struggle to support that idea, right? Because uh -huh. you have to, you have to be open about that. And you gave me pause to think about it for a minute and it, it worked, right? It was well, right. It worked. Um, well, yes, it, okay. yes, it worked. You may be better okay. off. You may be more at like three seconds now than me and my point five seconds. That's okay. Second. I, I, it is a struggle for me too. I, that's why I wanted to bring it up. Because I think a lot of people, not everyone, but many people who listen to this are that type A fast problem solver solution focus. Yes. Um, and so it's likely something that not just the two of us um, need a reminder. Well, about. and the other thing is you and I have to listen. I have to work on listening, right? I have to work on listening to what the other person is saying. Even I don't agree, even if I know that we're not gonna ever get to a point of agreement, like I <laughs> I have to hear what they have to say because there's a reason that they're saying it. Right, right. Okay, what other thoughts did you have in general? So the other thought I thought about was the ending of the conversation. Um, oh, okay. In our line of work, we talk a lot about a term called therapeutic rapport, right? We talk a lot mm -hmm. about re coming full circle with somebody in a moment. Right. And I think that applies to difficult conversations as well. Right. Okay. So let's pause for a second. Tell me about what is for those who may not be familiar, just give a basic overview of therapeutic rapport. Yeah. So we know we're all coming from the same spot. The base, the basic thought process behind therapeutic rapport is a intentional reconnection. So what that means is being sure that you reconnect 
with the person in that moment, right? So with that, it could, with a hard, difficult conversation, that would be making sure you leave the conversation reconnected and not leave with um, areas of uncertainty. Does that make sense? Give an example. Okay. So the other day I, this was probably a few weeks ago. I called my stepmom and her and I had a very, very intense conversation. And when we started, I was heated and we, she's really good at pausing. And so we had good conversation. (laughs) We worked through it. And then at the end to try to get reconnection with her, to try to make sure that I had that therapeutic rapport with her. I said, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to me, even when I was being somewhat aggressive or somewhat, you know, assertive, just reconnecting with her on where I stood and where she stood after having such an, a difficult conversation. Okay. So I have seen you do this a lot at work or personally and professionally is that thanking them yeah. for the conversation or like, I am so grateful that you trusted me enough to challenge my thoughts or whatever, because you like Maddie and I talk about too, are like growth minded and you want to grow. And those are all opportunities. Do you have any other ways if someone is like new to this idea of like making sure that we're kind of like coming full circle and closing the loop um, personally or professionally? And of course, that's going to potentially look or sound or feel different if it's personal or professional besides like thanking them for having that conversation. Yeah, I think sometimes conversations are going to end in disagreement. I think sometimes you guys are going to have to walk away from the conversation agreeing to disagree, but you could rebuild therapeutic rapport by identifying where you go from there, right? So okay. you have um, you have a difficult conversation, you identify that you feel this way, I feel a different way, but from what we both talked about, I think the next best thing would be just would be to do whatever it is and then ask them, Mm -hmm. are you comfortable with that? Do you feel okay about that? Right. Or you could identify the areas of growth within the conversation, right? Say, okay, so I really, I really embraced our ability to not name call. Okay. Let's take this to a personal level. Sometimes personal difficult conversations come with name calling. Right. Mm -hmm. And so identifying that saying, we just had a really difficult conversation and we did not name call, right? That's great. So next time we have a difficult conversation, we should try to do that again. It's, you know what I'm saying? It's building that circle back to next steps for the next time we are presented with something difficult of this nature. Yeah. And I, like you said, sometimes it's that agree to disagree thing. Um, Yeah. And sometimes that saying, like, we're in the middle of this. We've been in this for an hour we're going back and forth we have not yet come to a solution yeah right neither one of us feel good about next steps um but also knowing yourself so like my emotional state is really high yours is too we're not really getting anywhere we're borderline now where we may start getting personal or aggressive so maybe that ending for now Mm -hmm. is saying like Hey, I think uh, it would be really helpful for me. And again, talk about yourself. It would be really helpful for me if we could walk away from this and then revisit it tomorrow. Or if we could walk away from this and in 30 minutes, like 
come back with kind of a fresh lens or whatever it would be. Um, and I think that could be also part of that. Absolutely. Um, I think that the part based on the, based on the research I did, right. Those are the, those are the two hardest parts of a difficult conversation for most people is a having them being bold enough to <laughs> approach somebody and say, we got to talk and yeah. ending the conversation, feeling like you were heard, feeling like there, that what the other person might've been heard, everything was received and that you walk away not feeling worse than you did when you started it. Right. Yeah. And that's yes. not always going to happen in one conversation. That might take a couple conversations. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Or the conversation you had when you first established a relationship is very different than how you're, how you're able to approach the length, the complexity, the depth that is needed after you've known them for five years. Absolutely. And you're like, listen, we just need to fix this. And the other person's like, okay, cool. Because you have so much therapeutic rapport in history, right? But that's going to look different based on position and time and all of that. Absolutely. I think that it's, I think that those, that it's very important to just end your conversation with a positive, right? If you're intending positive intent, if you're really trying to stay positive and even if it gets heated, ending with a positive really helps that therapeutic rapport. Okay. I, how do you know? It, it would be one thing to like walk around and be like, I need to address this. I need to address this. I need to address this. I need to address blah, blah, blah. How are you able to identify if a difficult conversation is necessary? Because if we just go around our whole lives, like now we're just nitpicking things and we're like, I'm good at difficult conversations and every <laughs> conversation I have is going to be elevated and difficult. Like, please, God, no. None of us could sustain that, right? Emotionally, mentally, resource-wise. So... How are you able to identify, and so you can't always choose if one's coming at you, right? Like that's different. How are you able to identify, um, maybe picking your battles, right? We could call it of like, this is worth going in and having that difficult conversation, or this is something I can probably let go. Um, Mags, before I say anything further, I just want you to know you are the challenging queen, right? At work, you Ooh. challenge us in this, you're challenging me. <laughs> Like you are the challenging queen. I I try. I think you have to do some reflecting on and choosing your battles. And I think when you're reflecting, you're thinking about yourself and the other person, right? Okay. So how is this feeling that I'm having affecting me? Is it something that I can resolve on my own and walk away from and feel okay about? Or is it affect? Is it deep? Do I need to? Do I need to get this out? Is it going to hurt in the long run if I don't communicate about it? Right? Would be the side to reflect on for yourself, and then you also need to reflect on the person that you want to have the conversation with. Is it going to benefit them? Is it going to hurt them? Is it going to make things more difficult in a time when it's already hard for things? Hard things for them. I think you have to really choose your battles based on yourself and the person that you have to communicate with, right? Okay. Talk about challenges. So a situation to hold it in and not bring it up, um, 
you may not want to bring it up because you're afraid it's going to hurt the other person to hear it or receive it or they're going through other things right now and it might be just one thing that tips them over the edge. But if you don't say it in order to protect them, you're hurt. That's right. Like you're holding on to things. You're holding on to now resentment or angst or sadness or frustration. How do you know or which part then do you listen to? Because I think a lot of us fall in the boat where we're going to defer, where we don't want to hurt anyone else. Right. Right? And so then we become at risk of taking all the things on and then exploding. That's right. Or becoming passive aggressive and not advocating them for our own needs. So is there a tool you found or how do you know which side to act on or not act on? Uh, I think there's lots of tools to that, right? A, who is the conversation with, right? Um, B, the timeline of the need of the conversation. So do you have a pressing matter that you have to share quickly or is it gonna build quickly? Or do you have some time, right? Um, I think that you know the person, if you know the person well that you're having the conversation with, you're going to feel more confident in what that's going to look like, right? Whereas if you don't know the person that you need to have this difficult conversation with, um, you definitely have some intense fear of reaction. So I think you, for me, I typically tend to lean towards the other person because again, remember, I'm the conversation aggressor. I'm I'm one that I am. I'm one that's just going to jump right in and we're just going to have it. So I have to think of who the conversation is with and the need for it within the timeline, right? If there's things with my wife that are big, well, we got to have, we're going to, we got to do this now, right? But if there's things that I know are bothering me and if I don't say something, I'm going to explode at some point, but I don't think it's that problem is going to present itself anytime soon and there's a lot going on, then I'm going to wait, but we're going to have it, but I'm going to wait until it's time to have it. Um, I'm not very good at the timeline piece because I don't like conflict. I don't like tension. I do not like big elephants in rooms. I want everyone to be honest and transparent and let's get it out there and let's work through it. I don't like to be in a room with people where I know there's elephants and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. You start to suffocate with all those elephants. That's there. right. And some people don't care about elephants, but I, I, I don't. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're not your favorite animal for sure. No. Is there a difference between approaches? Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. I'm asking for you or in general, do you think a difference in approaches or tools between personal or professional difficult conversations. Absolutely. We've talked about like how you know the person, how well you know the person. Obviously, personally, you're going to know them better. The situation's different. Like that's understood. Besides that, are there differences in approaches in a difficult conversation, personal or professional? I think it's easier to go down the rabbit hole or easier to get more... Um, emotionally driven, easier to use terms like you, 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 rather than I, 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 when it becomes person, when it's personal, I think that you go in with a more, um, 
appropriate mentality in a per, in a professional difficult conversation because you are supposed to be the professional, right? Yeah, I think a piece of that for me too is like and obviously this can spiral if it if this goes on too long or too many issues or whatever and totally understand that. But like if I'm doing it with Sean, I'm like, "Oh, he loves me." Like I not that I can get away with more. That's not what I mean, but like he loves me no matter what comes out of my mouth, mm-hmm. right? And that wouldn't last forever. Like, if it was always negative or always awful, like, not the case. And I'm not telling anyone to advocate, like, stay in something if it's always like that at all. But I do think there's, like, a a safety net that kind of disillusions us from what the respectful approach may be. Uh, yes. And it's that key word you use there, respect, right? It's easier to be respectful and maintain respect in a difficult conversation with somebody you work with. I feel like, right. I'm not going to, I'm not going to walk away and roll my eyes at you at work. Like I would in home. (laughs) Right. I mean, maybe you would, if we're on the phone, I wouldn't see you. So feel free. Maybe. No, I don't know. (laughs) I get a little bit. Melody will tell you guys, I get a little bit more heated at home than I do at work for sure. That positive intent is oh, difficult. Sure. We all do. We all do. <laughs> I think, yes. Or or sometimes I'm like, I know, friend, family, whatever, I know that you're better than this. Like, I know that you're not holding yourself to the standard that I hold you to because I know you can do that. So it's frustrating when you're not doing that yourself. Yeah. Right? Whereas, like, if it's people at work, I'm like, I don't actually know if this is their best or not. Or, like... I think that's a piece of it for me. Well, and then as you build those difficult conversations, you build boundaries in those difficult conversations, right? Like, like I do not do well with cussing or name calling or low blows. I, I do not do well with those things. Right. And so those boundaries are set up around the people that I am personally with. I don't, people at work don't really do those things. So I don't really have to worry about it, but if it's not professional, that's that's right. That's right. So if somebody, which I I think having said that, that probably is why professional ones can be difficult, but probably easier, right? Yes. Because some of those are like the standard. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to go be like, Holly, you're a dumb bitch for thinking blah, blah, blah. Like, that's not something I would ever do in a professional setting. Those boundaries are more naturally set. Right. Right? Whereas like at home and personally, you're having to establish them. And what those boundaries are with each person is probably going to be different. Yeah. And so the biggest thing I would say to do, if you're ever in a professional conversation and that those things happen and they have happened, I have been in conversations with people at work that have chosen to cuss and belittle me. And I have to take a breath and remember that they just probably need a moment to vent and we get through the conversation. And then when they're calm, I come back for that therapeutic rapport and I remind them, you cannot talk to me that way when you're angry. It's not okay. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But they're, you know, they're not, not easy. Definitely not easy. No. And I think maybe having said that, so when said person, I can probably think of a few in your situation, (laughs) like in those (laughs) situations, in those situations, right? Um, having to remind ourselves that we're all coming to the conversation with 
even if we're in the same situation, we're coming to it with different backgrounds and experiences, with different um, emotions attached to it. Yes. And so when we loop back again to assuming that positive intent and reminder that we're all human. Yes. Right? So like we're all going to have moments where we don't navigate things perfectly. Like we all have room for growth. We're all going to have emotions or be tired or be overwhelmed or be stressed and say things we don't mean personally and professionally. Yes. Right? So a little bit, not excusing inappropriate or mean or whatever behavior, but reminding ourselves of that too. That's right. And owning it if you do. Like once you calm down, I am. I will apologize if I – owning it. That's also a way of therapeutic rapport. If I come at you and I'm aggressive or – somebody's aggressive with me and we need to calm down and come back and say, I'm, I'm really sorry that I came at you so aggressively. I, I really apologize. Do you know who I have to do that with a lot at work is our boss. Like I'll, <laughs> I, I'm like, I'll be very heated and it's not usually like at him. It's about situations that he's involved with. And I'll be like, and this is what mm-hmm. I always tell him exactly what I think, whether or not that's appropriate. That's a relationship we have. But then it'll be like later in the day and I'll text and be like, I kind of overreacted there. Like, I've taken a step back and I've thought about it and you made a good point about whatever. But again, just even when you have a strong relationship with someone, like the importance of looping back um, is super important to make sure that you're reestablishing that. Yeah. I think we set some great goals for those difficult conversations, right? Yeah. I think for me, the main takeaway is let's see what you would add. Assuming positive intent. Yes. Even when it's hard. Um, Active listening. Yes. Which includes rephrasing Mm -hmm. and uh, allowing space for silence and processing. (laughs) Um, Remembering what the purpose is of the conversation. Yes. And for some of you, the tip of like, is this a fix or is this a feel could be helpful or whatever words you come up with. I'm totally using Um, that. Yeah. What else would you add to that? Those were kind of the big takeaways. And then ensuring that you establish therapeutic rapport. Oh yeah. The rapport. So looping back around at the end of that conversation to reestablish. Right. And and like you said, with your text, that's okay too. If you walk away heated because you're not ready. And then a few hours later, the next day you want to text, you want to send a text and say, thank you for visiting with me. I'm sorry it got so heated or I don't feel much better after we talked. Like that's still therapeutic rapport and reconnection as well. Yeah, these are good. Yes. I mean, so literally the word was difficult conversations. So not a simple topic. Right. And certainly different uh, or similar strategies, but how it's put into practice is different based on the relationship with the person that you're engaging with. Right. Um, so what these tips might actually look like may be a little different, but tips that can be applied to all. Absolutely. Yes. Love it. Yeah. This was um, (laughs) some good reminders because I too think I'm usually one that can have these conversations. Um, Maybe the last thing to say, and I know we just already did our closeout tips and tricks, but I had this thought earlier and wanted a quick loop back to it, is um, I would be curious just quickly to hear your thoughts on like it gets... Not that conversations get easier. They're still difficult. But having the conversations 
gets easier and how your skills have developed maybe because even in your growth that I've seen you have in the last three years tomorrow is three years I've worked at our work um since moving to Texas tomorrow exactly um but knowing you for three years and seeing a lot of your growth in this um can you just speak to that a little bit um, it, I do believe that approaching people and being prepared for a difficult conversation gets easier by having difficult conversations. I do believe that. I believe that my ability to approach somebody about a difficult conversation is easier because I have done that, right? I mean, just yesterday I took my kids to La Madeline and Hudson didn't like his soup and he wanted a different kind of soup. And I was like, okay, we'll go up and ask for a different kind of soup. And he didn't want to do it. And I was like trying to build capacity in him, do difficult things and coach it. I'm proud of right? you. Um, Instead of doing it for him, that's big. I mean, I did end up doing it for him. I should own that. Okay. I'm sorry. However, okay. my intention <laughs> was to get him there. He wasn't ready, but I know now next time I will have to push and hopefully he'll get it there. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to own so that just, I didn't do it. <laughs> I know. It's fine. It's fine. I appreciate that you tried. I do. I think that's important to remember that yes. like just because you get better at them or feel a little more equipped does not necessarily mean that they're you're not going to engage in hard conversations. Right. And it also doesn't mean that you're going to feel super comfortable having That's them. right. Like, I can have a difficult conversation. During them, I'm still kind of uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. So, like, I think both things can be true at the same time. And that's just what I want people to know is Maddie and I talk in a lot of our episodes about building different muscles with practice. And having difficult conversations can be a muscle that you strengthen. Um but it doesn't mean when I work out, the muscle isn't sore. That's right. right. So like I can strengthen the muscle. It's still going to be sore when I work out. I can strengthen having difficult conversations and that practice. And it's going to get easier. It doesn't mean that it's not hard. That's right. But I'm right. Yes. So both things can be true. Yes. And just, I continue to challenge everyone to keep trying, right? There is something to be said about being honest, being transparent and saying what needs to be said so that you can feel better about what you were feeling. Yeah, this is big, y'all. This is like a key to healthy relationships or productive workplaces or building capacity for other people, building capacity for yourself. Like a lot of it is rooted in this because like we said, miscommunication causes a lot of our issues. So if we can get good at having the conversation or having more open communication, we're going to kind of remedy some of those other pieces. Absolutely, yes. Holly, thank you for coming. This was fun and great to hear kind of a different um perspective on a conversation that i know and get to experience that you're really passionate about. thank you so much for having me i just cannot wait to cut for this to come out and see if people receive my thoughts well if not God. call me we can have a difficult conversation <laughs> that sounds like a challenge um a little aggressive assertive we're working on it it's fine <laughs> all right thanks all we'll talk to you next time <laughs>